As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So today we're going to talk about one of the biggest dot-com bubble flops you've probably never heard of. And what would that be? Well, I'll give you a hint. It doesn't have to do with dogs. Okay, so not pets.com. We'll, it we'll is take not that one pets. out. Com. It is webvan.com. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, I have heard of webvan, but that this is showing my age. <laughs> I, I, I remember, you know, back in the back in the 90s during the whole internet bubble. I mean, this this was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you remember uh so you know Instacart, right? So webvan yeah. is basically the Instacart of the late 90s. Yeah, except it didn't necessarily work out, did it? That is true, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. 
So Webvan is known as the poster child of dot-com excess, right? That led to that tech market crash in 2000. Yeah, and and remind us, what was the overall business model? So here, I found a commercial from 1999. Article one, you have the right to remain where you are. You have the right to a weekend, the right to avoid parking lots, the right to spend more time with your family. You have the right to come home from work and find something good waiting for you in the fridge. The right to impeccable produce, well-marbled beef, fish and poultry of the highest integrity, and the right to receive them at everyday grocery store prices. You have the right to be in your house when a delivery is made, the right to open your front door and be met by a friendly face, and the right to have someone else unpack your groceries. You have the right to the good stuff. Brought to you by Webvan. They were basically the Instacart of 99. Webvan was founded in 1996 by Luis Borders, who also co-founded the Borders Group in 1971. Borders being the, the big bookstore, right? They did home deliveries of groceries. You'd pick your order online, they'd package everything up, and they'd bring it right to your door. The thing was, they wanted to replace supermarkets rather than complement them, as they had their own full food storage facilities. Yeah, which for a startup sounds very, very complex. Yeah, this was one of their fatal mistakes, honestly. Uh, Webvan decided to build its infrastructure from from scratch. They had hundreds of engineers building the software algorithms to make over five miles of conveyor belts in their Oakland distribution center transport these plastic totes that would get filled up with each grocery order. Yeah, and that's a very involved process. Uh, It sounds like they would have had to have built this fully automated fulfillment method, but before they even hit scale. Oh yeah, and that that's not even it, right? So after filling up each tote on this automated carousel, they would then deliver it to the right truck, right? <laughs> they deliver it right to the back of the truck that was going to that neighborhood or, or, or that part of the city. And all of that was fully integrated right up until the point where the driver got in the truck and, and drove the groceries to your front door. Yeah, and if I remember right, I mean, on the tech side, they had these real-time inventory management algorithms that would make sure that if a customer ordered, say, milk on the website, it would check, is it in stock? And then those algorithms would route delivery vans to multiple different deliveries to try to minimize drive time. And there's even software on Palm Pilots in the driver's hands that would deal with this real-time delivery system. And it would either confirm, like, yes, it was delivered or something needed to be returned. Palm Pilots, eh? Those were the days. <laughs> were they really, though? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I guess not. But you can imagine, right? This is over 20 years ago that they were building this full automated system. This is like what Amazon does well today. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this was uh, an incredibly involved process uh, for a company that at its peak was only operating in 10 cities. Yeah, and with those just 10 cities, they had raised over $800 million. Right. Yeah. So I asked Ben Foster, who's currently the VP of product at Go Canvas. Um, he had led their product team that was in charge of the customer purchase experience at the time about what made this such a catastrophic failure. This is way back in, you know, 1998, 1999, 2000. 
really kind of the pinnacle of the dot-com uh, excess and, and the ultimate bubble burst. So we were doing online grocery delivery and you could buy all your groceries online. It was a really cool interface for doing that. And then you could choose a 30 minute window for delivery of your groceries to your door with all of the frozen items being frozen, all the chilled items being chilled, you know, um, really kind of like a, a superior level kind of like experience that we were trying to deliver. Um, so the idea was really cool in many ways. I think it was ahead of its time, but to put its collapse in perspective, uh, we had uh, a $1 billion valuation as a publicly held company with $300 million in the bank. And less than a year later, zero everything. <laughs> Ouch. That is a massive failure. Unfortunately, this was one of the instances that we'll talk about this season where they did not figure things out fast enough to turn them around. Okay. So it had to be more than just the R&D cost of their fulfillment center. Oh yeah, a lot more. So first off, they had the wrong target market. Webvan's go-to-market strategy in each city was to provide the quality and selection of Whole Foods with the pricing of your big box grocery store. Okay, so that'd be like an Albertsons, Price Choppers, Ralph's, something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. And then to add in the convenience of home delivery. So. It was a mass market strategy, unlike Whole Foods, which is sort of the, the upmarket strategy. Right, exactly. The, the target audience, therefore, was not selected to be price insensitive. If, if you advertise yourself at big box pricing, you will attract a price sensitive audience. Whereas those who go to Whole Foods, yeah, they're, they're rather price insensitive, right? They, they'll, they'll pay as long as it's organic. And they believe they are getting a higher quality of selection and product. So the price matters much less, which means, you know, you, you can increase those profit margins at, at a Whole Foods that you, you can't get at a big box center. Yeah, there's definitely a clear mismatch there. The customers who would have made Webvan profitable were those who said, wow, I, I can get great quality selection and products delivered to my home. Heck, I'll pay anything for that. Yeah, and that's a smaller audience than a mass market audience. But after all, even smartphones started out as a tool for stock brokers and corporate executives before becoming this sort of mass market device that everybody has in their pocket. Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, looking you know back at this, Webvan really should have priced at least 30 to 40% higher and really ignored those customers who didn't want to pay those prices, at least in the beginning. Yeah, I totally get that. So Webvan was providing this luxury and it shouldn't really try to compete with the big box stores yet. I mean, it wasn't really in that space. Um, but they would have alienated some of the market, yet they could always move downstream after they optimized the product and fulfillment. And that's not all. No, it feels like a lot. <laughs> what else? <laughs> they also had usability issues uh, mm. that caused confusion and frustration when people were trying to buy their groceries. We tried to create something that was brand new. You know, the, the whole internet was new. E-commerce was new. And so you're taking this thing that's been done for, you know, hundreds, I guess, of, of years, right? It's just going grocery shopping. And, and what does the experience look like? And we had this chance to kind of turn it on its head. And so we did. And, you know, rather than just sort of browsing the aisles up and down and, you know, you don't physically grab a cart and you're going to click on things, you're not going to be able to smell the produce, you know, everything was just sort of like radically different in this case. So we decided to kind of lean into that and to say, we're going to go ahead and, and build the, the optimal experience that it always should have been uh, had we not been constrained by kind of like the physical brick and mortar experience. And so we had some really interesting ideas and some really good ideas like uh, you could click on a section of the of the of the site where it would say salad bar 
And then all the things you might need for a salad, whether they were, you know, produce or croutons or cheese or whatever, right, could all be in the same one place. Uh, and then you could kind of like build your salad there. And it was a great way to kind of shop in a way that you, that you maybe wouldn't be able to elsewhere. Or we had like a taco bar, you know, kind of section. Um, and so if you wanted to make tacos at home, you could imagine, right, it's got like raw meat that you're going to cook and taco shells and, you know, salsa and all these things that because of you know differences in how perishable they are or how they need to be chilled and things like that would have to be separated into different parts of, uh, of the store were things that we were able to combine in, in some really interesting ways. That sounds really cool and, and very like hello fresh mm. of today. Um, but okay, well, let's break here real quick and let's hear from our sponsors one more time. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att. Dot com. That's business.att.com. All right, we are back talking about HelloFresh. Um, oh, maybe not HelloFresh. No, we're talking about WebVan. Talking about WebVan. <laughs> yes, way ahead of its time. But it wasn't just the innovation that was an issue. It was how much they changed the experience of shopping and what they did to their bottom line. Because they were doing in-home delivery? Because of the way they organized the shopping experience, right? The salad bar, the taco bar was how they, they organized their products. It wasn't organized in the same way that a grocery store was. So finding very specific items could be frustrating. You didn't know, is this in the salad bar? Is this in the taco bar? Is this in my burger shop? Um, and so they missed out on a lot of sales and a, a lot of repeat business. It was more just sort of like a shorthand way of shopping for specific ingredients that might be good if you wanted to have a specific kind of meal. Um, but we, we, you know, we, we didn't have it where, you know, you could buy a quarter of a head of shredded lettuce uh, that was sort of like, you know, ready to go. It was more like you were still buying a general head of lettuce, right? Um, but still, you know, there's a lot of customers who really like that experience. And when you compared that to the experience of, of shopping in the store, it was like, hey, this is great. I can just go to one place and find all these things. But what we didn't realize as we were doing this was that the newness itself was sort of like a problem. And we struggled in many ways to get people to find the kinds of things that they need um, to, you know, that they needed to buy. And so, um, you know, how do I go about finding the milk? Well, it turns out that that's in three different places. And, um, you know, people are just like, I want to go find my milk. Right. And so they would be accustomed to going to the dairy aisle. But we didn't necessarily need to have a dairy aisle, right? We could have like an aisle of all kinds of different uh, things that were that were different than dairy because we didn't have to chill those items, you know, on the website <laughs> the same way uh, that we had to in um, you know, in the warehouse. So, um, so the the problem with this is that we ended up creating a browsing experience that was almost like too different, right? So you could have things like. Um, you know, rather than having a cereal aisle, you'd have like 
you know, I'm kind of exaggerating here, but like a carbohydrates aisle, <laughs> right? Or instead of finding your ice cream in the section, like where would you go, Michael, for, for finding ice cream in the grocery store? Yeah, exactly. The frozen aisle, right? But then like, that's exactly what we didn't have was not a frozen aisle. So um, you'd find ice cream in desserts. Well, there is no equivalent of a dessert aisle when you go to the grocery store. And so people started to get really confused about where to find things. And that confusion, especially when you added it with what was this already new experience of kind of going online to buy your items, resulted in them just kind of wanting to only buy the bare minimum of the things that they needed, rather than doing all the things that they actually do when they go to a grocery store, which is, <laughs> you know, browse up and down the aisles, you know, and and they just sort of like, well, I, I guess I need a lot of different things. And there's, there's a whole reason that grocery stores price the things the way they do and they merchandise the things they way, the way that they do and they place them in parts of the store the way that they do. The psychology behind store layouts, it's always fascinating to me, but it never really struck me that a grocery store on the web wouldn't have those same issues. Yeah, the layout and the experience of walking around the store, discovering new items, interacting with the butcher or the deli clerk, these are unique to physical stores. Yeah, and I actually used to work at a small grocery store, kind of a you know convenience style grocery store myself. So I remember those aisles. I remember the deli. I remember all of that. Yeah, it was my first job as well, pushing carts at the Grand Union. Um, and I eventually moved all the way up to deli clerk. Deli clerk, it's, it's pretty impressive, Michael. Although, you. you know, I kind of always wanted to work in produce. Kind of seemed relaxing there. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> So all these positions around the store and the entire experience of walking from aisle to aisle to get your coffee or your cereal or your milk or the infamous milk always placed in the back of the store. All these experiences create multiple chances for upsells. Yeah. And don't forget the checkout line. Yeah. You know, I think there's there's plenty of those kinds of cases, right? The, the experience of waiting in line to check out at a grocery store. Right. Is a, is a great example of that. You know, there's there's a that, that's that's absolute friction. Right. <laughs> I hear I have with a cart. I'm ready to, to give you money and you're going to give me this terrible experience at the very end of, of you know, my, my shopping time. Right. Uh, but through that. Right. What they do is they sell. You know, I don't know. I, I can't remember what the stats are. Uh, I knew at the time how many dollars of additional merchandise they sell while people are waiting in line. And in many cases, because the the razor thin margins that grocery stores are operating at, all of their profit comes from those impulse buys that happen at the very end. Um, and so, you know, if they if they made things more efficient by having a checkout person for every single, you know, register and nobody ever had to wait in line, not only would they be paying for more cash cashiers than they need, uh, but they'd actually be selling less product as well. So the friction actually creates more revenue. Well, that contradicts a Silicon Valleyism, doesn't it? Yeah. So here they're trying to create a new shopping experience, save people time, eliminate friction, make it easier for the customer to just buy dinner for that night, all while staying competitive to the big box grocery store chains. And they end up cutting out the parts of the experience that actually make these grocery store chains profitable. So while trying to disrupt an industry, they borrowed too much from the people that they were trying to disrupt mm -hmm. without understanding why they did the things that they did. Um, so, okay, let's get back into the story. But first, we have to take a quick word from our sponsors. They were, they were competing on the cost of milk, not realizing that the milk was priced as a loss leader to get people to walk through the entire store and pick up all of these add-on items. So people were going to Webvan and say, 
only buying the milk or some of those other essential items that grocery stores would intentionally price low and they wouldn't get the upsells that they needed to offset that pricing discount. Right. And that left them in a really tough position. The other thing that they didn't consider. A lot of people like to go to the grocery store, right? Even though there is friction and there's pain involved and you got to deal with parking and the winter conditions and, you know, a million reasons to not want to go. At the same time, there's something comforting and there's something uh, really valuable to people that they can't really put a finger on about just holding you know, the produce, right? Or, or, or choosing themselves between, you know, which apples they're going to put in their bag or not. Right. Um, and there's something about that kind of tactile experience and things like that, that I think that, you know, um, you could think of it this way, like you could outsource every single element of your life, right? Like I could have somebody else who watches my kids and I could have my groceries delivered and I could have somebody who builds all my furniture. And, you know, I can go pretty far with this these days. But if I did all of that, and let's say that it was all at the same cost as what it would cost me, for me to do it myself, so I had kind of like no reason, I guess, to, to not do that, it's kind of like, what would my life become if I didn't have any of those things, right? Like, what would I be doing? Like, what am I here for? And I think that um, there's a lot of people who are still looking for that um, that connection to the rest of the world. And, and I, I kind of hope that, you know, to me, that's a good thing. I hope that that doesn't go away. Me either, honestly. I know. I, I still go every weekend. I, I often take the kids with me, right? It's a chore, but it's something to do together. Yeah, I remember getting pushed around by my mom in the cart, you know, <laughs> eating crackers or the slice of bologna that they might give you at the deli. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I, I can think back, you know. <laughs> it might have been a long time ago, but I still have my memories. Just a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> um, so what did we learn today? Man. All right. So this one kind of feels like the perfect storm. I mean, there's inexperienced operators, uh, misalignment of the mission to the market, and a user experience that confused and frustrated rather than providing that delight. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that there's new companies that have picked up the torch for them. Yeah, about as fast as they torched that $800 million, <laughs> too. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> All right. That concludes it. So we'll be back next week with another product failure, this time diving into the story of Intuit. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.